Hello world, this is your host Brian Kaderna and you are now listening to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. So thanks for tuning in today, got a lot of information that I want to go over and uh, today if, if you're listening live it's opening night of the NFL season so I'm going to be in and out of here lickety split but I'm going to get you the info that you need to know. So what are we going to be talking about today? We are going to dive right into the fifth tenant of my financial planning foundation. And if you remember what those are, hopefully you listened to our pilot episode a few months ago. Number one was protection first. Two was build liquidity. Three was manage your debt. Four is create foundational wealth. And five is the often talked about, even over talked about, maximizing growth. So when you think about where do you maximize growth, you think of financial advisors, you think of investing, everybody aims right to the stock market. That's what we just can't get away from, guys. You know, whether we're turning on the TV when we come home from work, we're opening up uh, an app on our phone, or we're opening the Wall Street Journal, we are always inundated by the master communicator, the stock market. So this is perhaps the greatest form of digesting information is the stock market. You know, where else can you get so much data so readily available that's calculated literally by the second every single moment of the year, 24-7-365. So I'm going to spend some time there not imparting investment advice, but just trying to provide a little bit of clarity of how to understand the stock market as far as where it is today, where has it been over the past 10 years, and where was it, you know, generations ago. So a great way to, to look at this is going to be from two vantage points. And what those are, are value and growth. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking today about how are millennials redefining the stock market? Uh, And do millennials deserve the credit or the fault uh, thereof? Or has this been something that was long in the making way before our generation? Okay. So when you hear value or growth, a lot of you, especially if you're fans of the show and fans of finance, probably already familiar with it. Um, There are two camps that most investment advisors or investment gurus will kind of fall into. What value means, in short, and I'm giving you a very brief summary here, value essentially means we're going to select a stock or a sector or fund that we believe is trading below its intrinsic value. Okay. In essence, value means we think it's at a discount and we can go buy whatever that asset is at a discount. That's value. If we switch gears to the polar opposite of growth, what this means is we're going to throw that concept of buying at a discount right out the window, and we're going to look at what's often identified as kind of the the sexier, newer, more exciting, taking off, uh, fast-paced, whatever term you want to throw out of that kind of synonym uh, that is saying, all right, we're looking at a sector, stock, or asset that many would consider overvalued, overpriced, overrated, but we're saying, no, it's not. This is just the start of the party, and this is going to have momentum for a long time to come. And so we're betting on that lightning rod that's kind of shot off like a rocket to continue that trajectory, or at least to continue that rise, and that's what we're essentially betting on. So you have two polar opposites there, guys. You got value, all right, sometimes seen, whether correctly or incorrectly, as more of the boring, slow and steady, 
beaten up sector that we think is kind of on, on sale right now. And then you have growth, which is sometimes, again, correctly or incorrectly identified as the fad or the flavor of the week that everybody and their brother is hopping on, but we think still has much more momentum behind it and is going to continue carrying us forward. Okay, so a lot of our conversation today is going to revolve around those terms and how do they apply to your investment strategy. But before we use that as a way to kind of diagnose the stock market, again, this is opening night, if you're listening live, September 5th, 2019. This is opening night of the NFL football season, okay? What that means is I'm going to try and keep it short because I'm getting excited even though my Cowboys aren't playing tonight. It's just got me in that mood. Uh, but also I think this will give us kind of a good comparison that we can uh, kind of take a look at of how things change over time. So for you football fans out there, when you think of old school football, who comes to mind? Probably Vince Lombardi. If that's not your first guess, probably your second, right? So Vince Lombardi often regarded as the greatest coach of all time, not just football coach, but just a true genius in motivating people and running a team. But if you look at the way he, he managed his football team, it was seen at, even at that time as very simple. Okay, he mastered what was called the Lombardi power sweep. It was a play that the Green Bay Packers ran over and over and over again. And he realized, yeah, we have a pretty simple offense, a relatively small playbook, but we're going to run this to perfection. And a lot of folks or teams at that point in time kind of jumped on the bandwagon of let's play smash mouth football. Okay, we're going to line up and we're going to run it down their throats again and again and again and kind of beat the other team into submission. And that's the way football was for quite a long time. Then once we got into the 80s with Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and then, of course, into the 90s and fast forward to today, what, is, what are we seeing every Sunday but these high-flying, super fast, intense offenses just putting up points quicker than you could imagine, where if you run to go get your Doritos, you're probably going to miss another touchdown. So we've gone from smash mouth, hardcore, run it down your throat kind of football. Now we're in the spread offense, air the ball out, score as many points as you can through the air, um, pass happy world that we live in. So the NFL obviously has changed dramatically just by the way that coaches and players have changed over the, the years or the decades. The stock market is similar in a sense. And you might be saying, where the heck is the connection between football and all these dorks running around on Wall Street? I'm going to tell you. So value investing, let's start there because I think that was one of the first true schools of thought when it came to investment. The Probably the most famous identified value investor of all time is Warren Buffett. Okay, a name probably most of you already know. Some of you may not know, or probably not as many, his mentor was a gentleman by the name of Benjamin Graham, okay? Benjamin Graham wrote a great book on the subject. Uh, it was called, um, it's slipping my mind right now, actually, now that I, I bring that up, but uh, it'll come back to me in a moment. I actually have it, and I've read it twice, and I know it was Benjamin Graham. I just can't remember the name of the book. It's slipping my mind here. I'm actually going to look it up because I don't want to. I don't want to dance around it too much. Shouldn't be that hard to find. Uh, the Intelligent Investor, okay? The Intelligent Investor it was a big red book, a lot of pages in there, so you gotta be a student of the game. But he wrote this book and that almost became like the Bible of sorts to Warren Buffett. What was it built on? But of course, value investing. 
So these were investors that said they want to make their money on the buy. Okay, a term that you often hear in real estate. I want to find a deal so good that if the price can just go back to where it's supposed to be, I can flip it and turn a profit. Okay, so now I'm purchasing a company at a relatively low price that even a return to normal will secure a profit. So from a technical standpoint, these are assets that have lower than average price to book or price to earnings ratios. What those mean, these are very easy if you enjoy following stocks and you plug it into any screener out there. Price to book, what that's looking at is the share price of that stock versus the book value. And the book value is going to be your hard assets minus liabilities. Okay, so it's all of the assets not counting intangibles such as goodwill and subtract out the liabilities. And that's what the book value is. All right. So we've got a low share price compared to the book value. The other probably even more popular ratio again is price to earnings. So we have a relatively speaking low share price versus the earnings of that company. Okay. So naturally, if you say, wow, this company looks like it's worth a lot of money, but it's trading at a low share price, that's a value. Or again, if we say, wow, this company has tremendous earnings in a relatively speaking low share price or stock price, that is a value. Okay. So proponents of this strategy believe in seizing sometimes a false reaction to its stock price, usually based on human emotion. Okay. So that could be something where we have a company that has, like I said, a tremendous amount of assets. So you would think, all right, the share price has to be relevant to the assets of the earnings that that company has. But perhaps a, a, a piece of bad news just came out or um, a little bit of bad PR on the company for whatever reason. And so immediately you see it all over the news and it drives the share price down dramatically. And then a couple weeks later, you say, wow, it looks like it just lost so much value, but the company still owns that, those assets or it still has that earnings track record. Is that beat down you know, stock price really warranted? Okay, That's the conversation. That's the story or the narrative you're usually going to find around a value investment. Okay, So again, if you want to learn more about that, I'd encourage you to go seek out Benjamin Graham, kind of the father of value investing. And he wrote a book, which is The Intelligent Investor. I know I forgot the name before, but it is a great book on the subject if you can be patient and get through a lot of that, uh, you know, kind of techno, technical uh, jargon. And then also, of course, in the more modern day, you could research Warren Buffett, who's really kind of saddled his wagon to value investing. Pretty smart guy, I think most of us can agree. Now let's switch gears. Let's identify what growth is. And then we're going to take, I know I'm spending a little bit of time here on definitions, but this is going to help us get a certain level of clarity around what the stock market is. So we understand value now on the growth side. Growth investing, again, throws all of some of that technical stuff out the window and ignores high multiples or soaring prices and anticipates even more appreciation. Okay. If you want to research more on growth investing, you could look into some of the biographies of Thomas Rowe Price Jr., okay, the founder of T. Rowe Price. He's most often connected to this mentality. Uh, and there's many others out there that you could certainly search or read up on. So where fans of value obsess over those raw numbers, low share price compared to assets and earnings, advocates of growth are relying more on hope and momentum. Okay, So this is where, again, like I said earlier, 
you're finding a stock or a company that maybe does not have that gigantic book value, doesn't have enormous earnings, but they're shooting up, people are latching onto it, and it's sending the stock price skyrocketing, even if some of those other uh, metrics are not riding along with it quite yet. So this is something that we're kind of thinking is forward thinking, and we're hoping that, hey, that book value and that earnings track record, those are gonna be right there at the top soon. They're gonna follow the share price. Okay, so the share price now is the leading indicator as opposed to the book or the earnings values that we mentioned on the, the prior strategy. All right, so in today's day and age, 2019, where algorithms and stochastic research and you know all this high-frequency trading and all this stuff that's dominating Wall Street, at the end of the day, when you boil it all down and you separate these emotional decisions that are playing off of one another, you've got fans of value and you've got fans of growth. Okay, Investors, whether they be college kids on their Robinhood app, all the way up to hedge fund managers placing billion-dollar trades, they're ultimately convincing themselves that the underlying stock, the underlying trade they're placing falls into one of these categories and their category has a bright future. Okay. Now, sadly, history has shown us that neither of these bets carry certainty. All right, if we go all the way back to the Great Depression and we say, all right, let's look at the stock market from the Great Depression up to the Great Recession, all right, coming up to 2008, value stocks steadily outperformed growth throughout that whole period. All right, so that's a pretty large sample size going from you know, the 30s to about 2008, recognizing that value is leading the way. All right. And now all of a sudden, 2008 to 2019, all right, maybe considered a small sample size. We're talking about just a decade here. The stock market has totally transformed itself, and we've seen growth way outperform value over the past 10, 11 years or so. Okay, so in recent history, the tables have certainly turned. If we go to the low point of the recession, all right, which was March 9th of 2009, and we track that all the way up to August 31st of 2019. All right, so again, what we're doing is we're looking at the low point of the Great Recession up until today. All right, large cap value stocks have done about 374%. All right, I'll say that again, March 9th of 09 up until August of 2019, large value has gone up 374%. Over the same exact period, large growth has gone up over 520%. So why the sudden change where so long Warren Buffett, Benjamin Graham, all the value fans had secret secret uh, sauce there, and now all of a sudden growth is dominating the way? What's going on there? Is it here to stay, or is this just kind of a, a blip or an anomaly uh, over the past decade or so? So what's going on with the sudden shift? I would point to one cause uh, that I think most economists could agree on. And in one word, that's technology, okay? In particular, you have the FANG stocks and their friends. The FANG stocks are gonna be Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Those stocks, those companies and their counterparts have completely transcended the way that we communicate, the way that we shop, the way we handle business, the way we educate our youth, and the way we conduct pretty much every facet of life, okay? A tech company no longer needs to own 100 million square feet of office space and manufacturing equipment. It can almost survive on a simple idea, 
All right, that's what technology has done to the economy and to the world. All right, hence the huge disparity between market value and underlying hard assets. All right, and that's where now we have true growth companies with astronomical share prices. And when we look at the book value, the, those hard assets, you say, where is it? Where is all the money? Where is all the value in this company? The value is in an idea that that, that technology is able to trans, translate into a product or a service that everybody in the world is enjoying or utilizing. Okay, So consumers want innovation and they want it now. They want it immediately, regardless of how outlandish the idea may seem. You know, even think of Tesla, what that is, that company has done over the past few years. All right. So such confidence and embracement of technology has completely redefined the expensive. I'm putting air quotes on that expensive stock. OK, so just to give you an idea to kind of elaborate on that, if you look at Walmart, all right, everybody knows Walmart, absolutely gigantic company that's been in the S&P 500 for quite some time. Walmart's probably the lar largest company in the world by employee size. Today, Walmart employs over 2.2 million people. Okay, so it's a publicly traded company, still run by the Walton family, and they employ over 2.2 million people. Facebook, which has an even larger market capitalization value or larger market cap than Walmart, Facebook employs just 35,587 people. Okay, and that figures from December of 2018. So I think you got one company employing 2.2 million, and then a company viewed in some ways, or at least by market cap, is even bigger, employing only a fraction of that, 35,000. And even if you want to understand that even further, Facebook, you know, which in 2006, not that long ago, only had 150 employees. And look at what that company has become in the way that it's impacted the world. That's what technology is doing. And there is no better uh, example of growth than some of these technology stocks. I could even fall prey to this myself if I can digress for a second where as countless times I've looked at Amazon and I've said, you know what, look at that share price, the way that it grew, the way it practically doubled this year. I've missed the boat on that. I'm not going to put my money there. And then next year it doubled again. I said, you know what, I can't believe I missed out on that. Now it's really at a peak. I'm going to sit this one out. I won't put my money there. And then again, it climbed even higher. So Amazon, another great example there too. So Investors can always excuse a loss as an outlier or a mere point in time that statistics didn't really make sense. But for how long? How long can you kind of, you know, grasp that rationale? A month, a year, or even a decade like I'm doing right now? You know, the, the Oracle of Omaha, you know, Warren Buffett and his famed Berkshire Hathaway has not beaten the S&P 500 index and this is going up to uh, 2017, has not beaten the S&P 500 index in the past one year, three year, five year, or even nine year period. Okay, So this is often regarded the smartest investor in the history of mankind over all those periods was losing to a simple index that you know a high school person could invest in for $50 a month on some uh, you know, online account. So pretty interesting to see what's going on here, guys. Even Warren Buffett, who for so long shunned technology that was not a part of his holding company, in 2016, he kind of broke trend and made a large investment in Apple, All right, a small abandonment from his gospel, uh, jumping aboard, you know, it was already a 30-year-old tech boom. 
So it's something people have to be weary of, uh, you know, when you, you kind of pledge allegiance to a certain philosophy, which is why I'm constantly saying keep an open mind. One must always remember that the markets can act irrational much longer than the average investor can stay solvent. Okay. I shouldn't even say average investor. We've seen hedge funds, mutual fund companies, billionaires go belly up believing in a philosophy that went out of style. Okay. So I'll say that one more time. Beware of the markets as they can act irrational much longer than you can stay solvent. All right. So even scarier, I think, is that redefining of rational. All right. A discounted stock might be discounted, not just because it's at a discount, but because it's about to go belly up. That's right. Not every company that's seen as a value or a discount has to return to normal. They may just go away. And an expensive stock might be expensive in the traditional sense, but still have years to run before it's actually earned the tag of overvalued. So before you pick your next investment, carefully weigh the growth potential of a value versus the value of a growth. All right. So thank you very much for tuning in today, guys. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. You've just listened to another episode of the Kaderna podcast. Please share the good word. Go visit us on YouTube. Spotify, Stitcher, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're doing great there. And uh, the more we can get just some of this information out there, the more you and your friends and family can make informed decisions. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next week and go Cowboys. The Kaderna podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Brian Kaderna does not provide tax or legal advice. Listeners should contact their own tax or legal advisors in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities products and services and advisory services are offered through PAS, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, 973-244-4420. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is an indirect fully-owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance, LLC, are not affiliates or subsidiaries of PAS or Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance, LLC, a general agency of the Guardian. PAS is a member of FINRA SIPC, California Insurance License Number OK04194.